That clear defined goal. You'd be surprised how many people are pedaling, 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 and they cannot give you a clear picture of what in the world they're shooting for. They're speakers, authors, and real life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. What's up, peeps? It is your favorite podcast. Mm -hmm. Thoughts That Rock, where we take uh, people who are maybe challenges or current struggles that they might be going uh, through, and we find uh, experts to give advice. Yeah. That's sort of what we do. You know what we call people who listen to the show? What do we call them? Thought rockers. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds dirty. You hate that word. I like it. That, that thought, rockers. Thought, rockers. Hey, thought, thought rockers. Hey, thought rockers. That's a totally different podcast. We're going to rock your thoughts off. <laughs> now it sounds dirty. It didn't before to me, but thanks. We're so happy for uh, th this episode, um, which... This is one of those opportunities where the person came first before the topic because of her new book. First off, it's our good friend, Kara Brookins, yeah. who we've had on the show before. She's amazing. She's multiple seasons ago and uh, wrote a book called Unstuck. And so we said, let's let's do an episode on how to get unstuck. I mean, people yeah. have all kinds of stuff going on in the world, career, family, uh, you know, some sort of a life goal, and they just feel like they're stuck in this quagmire. If I need to explain that word later to you, I love Quagmire. <laughs> it's my favorite character. <laughs> Is it your favorite character? Yeah. <laughs> On Family Guy. Uh, you know, most people might know Kara. Uh, she sort of became uh, famous for building a house uh, with her four kids by watching YouTube videos. Yeah, it's crazy, that. right? It's just nuts. Yeah. And, and she made that happen now with that. You know, she, she's yeah. got a best selling memoir that came out of that. But how crazy is it? She lives in that house I that know. she built with her four kids watching YouTube videos. I wouldn't live <laughs> in or around anything that I have built. <laughs> let alone a house. Let alone a house. Shit, These no, forget about that. Are you kidding me? Those are all cardboard books back there because we were afraid that they can't hold any sort of weight. Something may be coming down <laughs> on us at any time. It's all virtual. She's uh, she's now a keynote speaker. She's actually she's got tons of books out there. A lot of them are fiction. So yep. she she plays about the nonfiction and fiction yep. area. Her memoir, her memoir rise is, is what uh, the name of the memoir is that people might have already read. Exactly, yeah. and and I guess people could still come back to the well with her and and hire her to be a speaker because this new book is just fantastic, and yep. we're just. You know, we're, we're excited that she came on here and uh, we had some laughs and uh, you're going to find out. I think she gave us four, maybe five. I'm not exactly sure. I got lost in the count, but she gave us more than three thoughts. She gave us like the machine gun. Bam, bam, bam. You like yeah. that thought? Here's another Here's one. Here's another you thought. Like that that you're like that? Yes. So for all the thought rockers it's out right. there. It was like it was like Rocky Three against Clever Lang. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you like that? Give me another. Give me another. Is that the best you got? You ain't so bad. That's that's literally that, what it so, was. Was that sliced the lunch? That was. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> as good as it's gonna get. Uh, check out this episode. <laughs> Boom. There she is. Kara Brookins is back. On hey. Thoughts That Rock. That's right. Repeat guests. Doesn't happen often, but when it does, they are always amazing. Yeah. Well, I've, 
repeat, right? Uh, well, it's the plan. <laughs> I don't know what that says about everybody that we haven't had on. So let's not, well, you gotta start let's not piss off everybody yes. else. That we, that's that's fine. Well, I feel fortunate. My two favorite hosts here. So yeah, yeah. I'll come back anytime. That's right. One of them for sure. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> well, we're, we're, I'm trying. We're so excited uh, to talk about this subject because, you know, as we were saying in the introduction, our, our podcast now is really designed as a how-to, how to help people solve issues and problems and whatever obstacles they have going on. And I think just because uh, of the name of your book, Unstuck, this was the perfect scenario. Usually, I would guess we, we come up with a topic and then we go and find somebody who fits into the topic. Yours was a little bit reversed because... I think there are people that just get stuck in life and uh, you're the perfect person to talk about this and your background, as we said, is just so amazing. So we are just going to turn it over to you, Kara. What is your first thought that rocks on how to get unstuck? Oh, absolute first thing you have to do is know exactly what your goal is in a very clear and tangible way. That clear defined goal. You'd be surprised how many people are pedaling, 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 and they cannot give you a clear picture of what in the world they're shooting for. That I want life to be better. I want to make more money. Those very just vague goals. And you cannot hit a target that you don't set. Mm -hmm. So this idea of like, for example, when my kids and I started building a house, we prior to building it, we could have told you and drawn a clear picture of that walkthrough of the house and not just like blueprint. I knew what the curtains were going to look like. I knew the fabric on the sofa. I knew what color the tile would be. And that visual walkthrough of your goal, even if it's not a physical, tangible thing that you're building or making or business, that physical representation of what your goal would be like, if you can't see it in your head or hang it on a board, then it's so much harder to hit. You're like 75% more likely to hit a goal that you can see clearly. So this is like, I I think of this as almost, uh, you know, in golf, sometimes they'll tell you, uh, it doesn't matter what sport it is, but you know, visualize, you, you want to see that putt go in. You want to literally visualize it going in before you step up and try to make that putt. Um, you're saying it's not just visualize it. It's be really specific, write it down sort of that. This is the idea of not just sort of using your head to, to uh, get a, a better idea of what you're looking for, but try to be as specific as, as possible. Right. So it's more right. than just visualizing. Well, it's so much more than that. I'm so glad you mentioned, you know, that the golf sports, this is a a technique that Olympians use. I mean, it's a technique that they use, that astronauts use, this visualization that creates, you know, fits with neuroscience and it creates a sort of thing like muscle memory. The way that we work neurologically is once you visualize it, it kicks off this little thing in our brain called loss aversion. We own something once we can see it. Your brain doesn't care if you owned it virtually because you visualized it or you tangibly owned that house. You own that and you don't want to lose it. So we will fight so much harder for something that we already own, even if we only own it visualized, than we would if we can't see it at all. So, you know, it's it's a really simple thing for a tangible object. Like I want to open a pizza restaurant. 
Um, you know, people say stuff that like that to me all the time, I'll get off a stage and I'm like, what's your goal? What's the big thing you're going to do? And it'll be, I want to open a restaurant. Okay. Tell me about the location. What do the tablecloths feel like? What color are they? What are your napkins like? What does the menu feel like? What kind of paper is it printed on? Those tangible things, hang those on the wall, get a cork board, have those things that you can flip through and feel because then your brain owns them and fights to keep them. Do you think that this is why something like Pinterest has been so popular is that it's almost that manifestation of whatever that visualization you're trying to to do? Mm. Yes and no. Pinterest, yes, it helps do that. But it also can become a form of procrastination, right? It can be, kind of become this over planning. I have the need or the desire to redo my kitchen. But instead of getting up and doing that, of taking the first action, like pulling the cabinet doors off and let's get started, I'm going to pin 95 kitchens and I'm going to spend the next year looking at paint chips. And, you know, so like we have to police ourselves a little bit because we can definitely go overboard in any area. And our brain is always going to tend toward fast and easy gratification. And you can get because of this ownership that our brain takes of these images, you can get almost the same level of gratification over pinning the perfect kitchen um, over six hours in an evening than you can getting up and doing the work. So there's a balance there. Yes, that's why Pinterest is popular. And yes, that is why Pinterest has kept us from doing more things than it has gotten us to do. But like you said, you didn't create it yourself. I mean, you could put it on your your uh, memory board, you know, as something that you wish for. But this is why it probably resonates with people from an ownership standpoint when people are putting post-it notes on the fridge or they're writing notes to themselves and they put on a mirror. Or, you know, when I used to teach people on how to write a personal mission statement, if you have that in plain view every day, you're more likely to follow through. And I I guess I, I love this this idea too, because there are probably people right now that are stuck in, in whatever phase of life or they're trying to get through something and just really haven't gotten anywhere. I guess the point that you're saying is not necessarily just have that visual, but do you would you recommend that that people maybe have th- this goal broken down into different steps? Like for for me to get past this moment that I've been working on, but I've written down, I can clearly see the goal. But what if what if there's a massive chasm between where I am and where that goal is actually going to be completed? What would you recommend to people that just feel that they're they're stuck in this this quagmire right now? Well, first, I hope there's a massive chasm because I hope that you've set a big enough goal that it is a huge leap to get from here to there. Um, otherwise, it's really hard to hit the little goals. Like there's not much motivation to hit a small goal. Like you're going to yeah. practically be the same place you are today. How do you get the motivation to do that? So setting the big goals is a lot easier for us to actually see through to completion than the small goals. So first, yeah, set the big ones, have a big chasm. And then really that kind of leads into to my second thought, I think really naturally, so I'm just going to throw that out there, is yes, once you've set that goal, once you've made that physical representation in some way, whether it's writing it down or hanging stuff up on the board, then you don't want to spend 
so much time over planning and over creating these steps because we have this natural surge of motivation of energy that comes with a new idea. And that's created by a chemical loop in our brain that I have a new idea. Here's the energy to do it. Here's the dopamine. Here are the chemicals that we have that are released that are the anticipation of reaching that goal. If we take all of that energy and we put it into Pinterest boards or let me plan the first 27 steps so that I know before I even start, do I know for sure I can do step 27? No, go in, do one step, lock it in, commit to the goal. And that is, is my, I think, second big thought that rocks is move fast. Don't hesitate. Don't procrastinate. Set the goal, then move fast to take an action. No one will check you to say, before you do step one, prove to me you can do step 27. No one's going to ask you that. No one. Like you get to decide. Do the first step, then figure out the second and eventually step 27. Okay. So I have a problem with this, but you I know you do. (laughs) Everybody does. So let's say... Mm -hmm. You go, let's use the redoing your kitchen example. And like, Mm -hmm. you're like, I'm redoing my kitchen. And so I would be like, yeah, I'm redoing my kitchen. I just start taking cabinet doors off and it's going. And then a week later, I've got cabinet doors all over the place. And I don't know what the hell is going on. And I have no idea what to do next. And then I become paralyzed because I started before I, sort of knew what I was doing, um, but I wanted to get the momentum of getting it done. And now I'm going, do I just put the doors back on or do, or do I call somebody who knows what they're doing? Because now I'm like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in a place where I don't know what's next. I've, I've bitten off maybe a little bit more than I could chew. And I don't really want to go backwards and just set everything back to how it was. So what do you do in that circumstance? Oh, that is the perfect scenario. You have set yourself up for success. If you get to that point, you've set yourself up for success. The only thing that would be better is if your your in-laws are going to be there um, in two weeks. Now you have a deadline. Now you wow. have a deadline. You've committed to a project, Okay. full commitment. You've yeah. already started. You know you're capable. You've proved I am capable of going into this kitchen and removing all my cabinet doors. I know how to work a power tool of some sort. I've created some sort of an organization system so I know where the doors go back. You know, I, I know where to put them. Now I only have to figure out one small step. And I know that still feels like a really, really big deal, but there are so many tricks that are built into the way that our brain functions that can get us to that next step. Now, here's here's one of them, one of my favorite ones. We can call this my third thought, even if we want, or I can throw another one out there too. Um, She's doing four. I might might slip another one in there. I'll steal one from you. Okay. So here's one of them that I used with my kids all the time on the construction site. Exact kind of scenario. We knew how to do none of the projects out here. Mm -hmm. So every time we showed up, that's how we felt. We were that stuck. So one of the things I would ask them is, what if you were the last person on earth and you had to complete this task in order to survive? Could you figure it out? Could you figure out how to renovate that kitchen? You're the last person here. That's between you and survival. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You would figure it out. You may have some unconventional ways that you go into it, 
But when, when it really hits the fan like that, you'd figure it out. And I would do that with my kids. It throws your brain into like a survival mode where you have a little bit of extra adrenaline, you have a little bit of extra energy and you think out of the box and it's funny, right? It's a little bit funny. So it throws us into this playful game that, okay, if I were the last person on earth, I would do something ridiculous. And I did that with my kids when they were little and they were like, I cannot spread the peanut butter on the bread. Like that's too hard. I keep poking holes through the bread. I can't make a sandwich. I can't do it. And I'd be like, no, last person on earth. You have to make a peanut butter sandwich in order to survive. Oh, they, it was ugly. It was messy, but they got it on there. They had fun doing it. They ate the sandwich. Yeah. Um, it, so many things that we accomplished out here. That's how we did them. I'm using that line. So on some people that I have in mind. What right if, what, so here's another, what if for you, <laughs> what if you're the kind of person that goes, you're the last person on earth, you idiot. You're the last person on earth, you idiot. Why did you even start doing this in the first place? You're, so, <laughs> you're such an idiot. That's what's running in my head going great. Now you're the last person on earth and you still don't know what you're doing. What do you do with all of that negative self-talk that is bound to come when you find yourself in that scenario? Well, I think you have to back up because how many things have you figured out in your life? How many things? Uh, you figured out how to do a million yeah. things in your life. You have proven over and over again that you can find yourself in a complex situation in surrounded by tools and things yeah. that you've never done before in your life. And you figured out how to do it. I mean, you figured out how to get up and walk. Yep. Even though really all the odds kind of pointed against it, right? Like you're down on all fours as a little kid and just by observing, okay, first it's possible. Yep. These other humans are up here walking yep. on two feet. So I know it's possible to walk on two feet. Yep. Um, I don't have the muscles, the coordination to do that yet, but little by little, you figured out how to do that. Yep. Um, and one of the ways you did that was just by trying everything, right? Like yep. same thing with, um, you know, a crayon. The first time somebody gave you a crayon, you took a bite of it. Like you didn't yes. know, you didn't know how to do it. Um, yes. You know, you held it in a big fat fist and you rubbed it all over the walls and the floors and the paper and you know, everything um, you stuck it in your brother's ear, whatever, like you tried all the things with it. Mm -hmm. And that is still a really good way for us to figure out how to do things that we don't know how to do. Um, yeah. Whether it's, I want to build something and let me pick up a skill saw. How do I do that? Well, find some scrap lumber and cut some things, yeah. you know, try some things out. And really the, the easiest part of what we have to do is the skills and the knowledge that we need to gather to accomplish something like that's easy. Now it didn't used to be, but now the skills and knowledge are easy because we can look it up online. We can easily connect with an expert and we can network through social media. We can find people who are experts on any field very quickly. So now the harder part is talking ourselves into it. And it's kind of reversed, I think, you know, in the last dozen or so years, what is easy to find and what is hard. So, I mean, you have figured out so many things. There's no, I have no doubt you could go in and figure out how to renovate well, your kitchen. He does. Kara, let me tell you about a television show that uh, I have in my head for me mm -hmm. and my former bandmate. JT Keel, who is one of my best buds. Um, we have an idea for a, a show on HGTV. And it's called, well, that didn't work. Um, and it's basically us trying to figure shit out because no matter what we have ever tried to do, it ends with, well, 
that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so when that's your past and this, and I get what you're saying mm-hmm. and I, yes, in theory and even in reality, I figured out how to walk. I figured out how to eat. I figured out how to do a bunch of things that I didn't know. The more that you get older and the more you start rationalizing things and the more you go, I can do that. And then you get into it and you go, the hell I can, I can't do that. That's ridiculous. What never made me think I could do that. Um, how do you, how do you fight through those sorts of things? Because when you screwed up enough stuff that you're just going, this isn't my thing. Like if, you know, if someone said, Hey, you could be an Olympic, uh, balance beam person. I'd be like, uh, not today, Susan, uh, that's not happening. Um, I'm not going to risk my, my health on thinking that somebody told me that I could be a, a Olympic balance beam person, but how do you get through those things knowing that yes, it's possible. I agree with you. But when you're faced with the reality of multiple failures in a particular area, how do you, how do you move forward in that scenario? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two points on that. First, I'm going to say most of the time when we are going in and doing something, most of the projects that we choose to do Mm -hmm. are more in our wheelhouse, right? They aren't that far out of our at least field of knowledge, out of what we desire to do. Um, if you have tried to, you know, renovate or do home projects a thousand times in your life and they haven't worked out, what maybe, maybe that's not your thing, right? right. And that's okay. Yes. That's totally okay. Maybe your thing is building a business to have enough money to hire those things done. Like that's okay. I don't yes. want to build another house. I didn't build this house because I wanted to be a house builder. I don't right. ever want to build another house. Right. I built this house because I needed a place to live. I needed a project to do with my kids to bring us close together. And it was like a stepping stone to do the things I actually wanted to do. So yeah. first, like, we don't need to succeed at everything. Life is short and there are a limited number of things that we can become an expert in. So we can choose those things a little bit carefully and not push ourselves so hard to do things that, you know, evaluate why you're doing it. If you're doing it just because everybody says it's cool to do this, like it's not your thing, don't do it. Um, But sometimes we do have to do things that are really uncomfortable, that are way outside of our wheelhouse. And whether it's because of a boss or because of a situation we're in or whatever, we do have to find some way to motivate ourselves to take the one step in that direction. So here's your bonus. Here's your bonus thought that rocks. Let's do it. <laughs> um, what I, and this is another thing I did with my kids on the construction site. We're standing out here. We have to do some complex geometry to build a diagonal wall in an upstairs room and ceiling. And we don't know how to do it. No clue how to do it. Immediately, everybody starts like dragging their toe through the sawdust. I don't know how to start. Like no one wants to make eye contact. What I started doing is I would say, what's the worst case scenario? we're all afraid to do this. What's our worst case scenario? First couple of times I asked that, like my son Drew, who was 15, would be like, an airplane engine is going to fall out of the sky and crush us, you know, and Jada, the 11 year old would be like, oh, you could cut off your left arm. You know, that yeah. could happen. That could happen. Um, and, you know, they'd come up with these ridiculous, unlikely scenarios. So we would pare it down to what is the worst case scenario that's actually likely to happen. Yeah. If it is bodily harm or death, like, take the precautions to prevent that, like learn how to use the tool, you know, so we would do that. But 
99.9% of the time, the worst thing that was going to happen is we were going to do it wrong, yeah. have to take it apart and do it over again. Yeah. And then I would say, can you live with that? Yeah. If you can live with your worst case scenario, the worst possible thing that is likely to happen, you can go forward and take that first step without fear. And yeah. I'd say, hand me the board. I'll make the first cut. I've got a reciprocating saw if I need to cut the nails out of that and do it again. And we probably will maybe two or three times. But yeah. what's your worst case scenario? And we take ourselves too seriously and we overinflate the perceived risk of what we're going into way more often than you would imagine. It's usually a pretty small risk. Yeah. Listen, we'll be right back after this message. So I do love this thought and I love your extra thought as well. Um, first off, I think you do a great job with this because I do think you jump in and whether you're thinking in your head, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> you know, I, you say reciprocating sauce. I don't even know what that is. I would definitely <laughs> hire somebody to do it because I feel like I am definitely a planner. I love to have things mapped out before I jump in. I was probably always like that. I'm not necessarily constantly mapping out what the vacation will be and never take the vacation. I'm not that guy, but I do like stuff to be somewhat planned before I jump into it. And, and I remember reading um, one of my favorite books now called Execution from uh, Larry Bossidy and Ram Sharam. It's one of my favorite books because they basically go, you just got to get past it, quit planning and jump right in, which is basically what you're saying. But Brian, I, I think on many occasions where I'm just rapping with you about stuff saying, I wouldn't even know where to start or how to do this. You jump online or you figured it out. And within 30 seconds, you have an answer. And I know that you do stuff around the house where if I have anything that goes wrong, I'm, I'm probably the exact opposite of care like this in the sense that I would definitely go and hire somebody because I feel like, I don't have those skills, but if you force me, if you put that language in, in my backyard and said, one, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'd hate to have to break something down and rebuild it again, but I would do it. And, and it certainly isn't going to be anything that has to deal with major life implications or like you said, death or anything like that. So I, I think I could probably get to a point that I could say, I'm just going to jump right in. And, and if you told me I had to figure it out or I'm the last person on earth, I could stand to probably use that a little bit more in my life because I definitely don't do it. But don't you feel like you already are at that place where you jump right in and it's not a problem? Moving fast through something is not a problem for you. Well, I, yes and no. I think uh, for me, I go, I, I recently saw this uh, on TikTok, Kara, as we were talking earlier. Um, I saw this uh, video clip of Jerry Seinfeld uh, being interviewed on uh, Howard Stern's show. Yeah. And what he was talking about was Howard was like, so wait a minute, you're, you're constantly thinking of a bit, right? Yeah. Like everything oh. is a joke. Everything is a bit. He's like, that's torture to me to think that you can't turn your brain off. Like it's always, you're always trying to find that next thing. You're analyzing every single thing that happens to you in your life through that lens. And what I wrote it down because it was, it, this is literally, I think was profound, at least to me in, in, in a lot of ways, what Seinfeld said was find the torture you're comfortable with. Uh. And, and, and when I heard that, it sort of, you know, gave me the okay in my head to do the things that might seem like torture to other people. 
for, for me, right? It's not, mm -hmm. it's not torture for me. I enjoy doing certain things like that. As long as to your point, Kara, as long as it's in my wheelhouse, as long as it's something that, that I find joy in, or, or, I, or I'm really curious about, or I believe that I have a knack for in some way, shape or form, I can endure the torture, um, knowing that whatever's going to end, you know, be waiting for me at the end of that rainbow will be worth it. Um, but if it's not something that I'm really interested in, there's a time limit, right? There's a, there's a, there's a, when you, when you bump up against a, you know, if you said, ask me to do something creative, um, I I'm all in because mm -hmm. I love to use the creativity, right? You want me to paint you something you want me to, you know, wh whatever that looks like. Um, even if I've never done it, you want me to make you a pottery bowl. I, I would do that because it's, to me, it's something that's creative and fun and who knows what I'm going to end up with. If you said, can you make me a kitchen cabinet? I'd be like, I don't want, there's nothing. No, I don't want to do that. And you could say, well, you could be creative and use all kinds of things. And I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. There's nothing that interests me about that. Um, so that's a torture that I'm not willing to endure. But if I screwed up 20 bowls to get you one that was the one perfect Patrick Swayze ghost moment that we could have together, then yes, I would do it in a heartbeat and I would endure all those things, but it's only because it's in an area of which I'm interested of some way. So I, what I love about what you're saying, and this is what, even if this is what you said, Kara, it's what I'm taking away from this <laughs> is try as much as you possibly can go ahead and, and start. And if you find that it's not your cup of tea, that's totally okay. You can bring somebody in that it is their cup of tea and have them help you finish it, right? Mm -hmm. It's better to do that than to not try anything and never know what you actually are interested in or not, right? So at least get started. And if you can endure the torture, then you push through. But if you go, you know what? I'm not interested, then just cut ties and say, I'm bringing somebody in because this will stay like this for a year because I'm done touching it. Speaking to the person who didn't know and built an entire house. I, I know, I mean, it's, it, but it wasn't, it's, it, it, it's a torture you were willing to endure because yeah. the end of the rainbow was, was shelter for you and your kids. I yeah. mean, that's the, the reason that you were able to endure the torture. But if it wasn't that, if it was for shits and giggles, you probably would have oh, punched no. out way earlier on, right. right? Without a doubt, without a doubt. And, you know, I think that there's a quote out there, I'm trying to remember who said it, that, you know, it, if if the sailor could get off the ship in the middle of the storm, they would, right? Right. right? right. But they are fully committed to being on that ship. Yes. Like, you know, yes. their worst case scenario is pretty extreme. Yes. Um, you know, so I think that, that we have to, we have to look at so many different things here. First, there could be a fine line between torture and motivation. Like there could yeah. be a really fine line there, yeah. but we are not always in a position with the goals that we set or the tasks that we're trying to complete. We're not always in a position where it has to be that, right? You know, often the stakes are much lower. The goals are lower. What we do every day from day to day tends to be lower. So we have to find a few little tips and tricks that will get us through and get us to take the steps toward those things. And then occasionally, um, you know, at periods throughout our life, we set those bigger goals and we have those those bigger things that we have to hit, maybe by choice, maybe by circumstance, maybe, you know, it wasn't our choice at all. Um, but we find ourselves in a position where we have to get through something difficult. 
And then that line may be a lot closer with the torture motivation scale. Yeah. And um, it, and it's not so much what we're willing to take in, in the way of that, um, that kind of torture and motivation, but how badly do we want the outcome? Right. And, yeah. and often it is, I think the most torture that we're willing to take is when we are working really hard towards something we want really badly at the same time that we are trying very hard to get away from something that we don't want, a circumstance or situation that we don't want. So if you have those two sort of bookends of motivation, one pushing you and one pulling you, your tolerance and the level of torture you will take as motivation to push and pull you forward, you know, your tolerance for that is, is almost immeasurable what you yeah. will go through to get that thing and get away from that thing. So, you know, we go through different parts and points in our life that, you know, like, would you do all of this for a new kitchen? No, heck no. You know, there's right. a lot that we would not go through for a new right. kitchen. Um, but what about for a whole different life? What about for a, a whole different life circumstance, you know, from income to career to how you spend your day-to-day -day time to what you can provide for your children now, what will you go through? Um, it's not about the kitchen, just like my project was not about the house. Yes. You know, it was about all the other things that my kids and I were gaining through that project, the ways that we were rebuilding our family and about the opportunity that we were going to have moving forward from that point. So, you know, we can, we can go to extremes about uh, the kitchen cabinets or some small projects, but really like, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about different scales in your life at different points and for different goals. And interestingly enough, because we have the same brain functions, you know, we have the same chemical releases, we have the same loops that we go through in our brain, we're working with the same primitive things in our brain, whether we're going for the big goal or the small goal, the same little tricks can work. So this is not going to be profound at all, but while you were talking, just so you know, this is the 15-year-old boys and, and me. I'm thinking that we're moving to a new studio um, <laughs> this week. And I remember when we had to put together these bookshelves yes. and we went to Ikea and got it. And it was probably, it was murderous for you that we had to read the instructions and, and hammer all this thing in. But then literally, and I don't know if you can tell, there's a seam in between the two mm -hmm. right over there. And uh, it just fit. We did everything in our power to use all of our weight to sandwich it up against the wall. That thing is not coming out. To think that we would have to break that down and rebuild that in a different studio, we're like, oh no, yeah. the, the torture was too much for us. It's a gift. <laughs> that thing is now staying <laughs> where we are right now. Our <laughs> landlord, I hope, right. is going to be happy Try with it. our gift. But... We built you shelves. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, you know, maybe before we do this final thought too, what, what do you think most people, the, the people that come to you, that use you as a, um, you know, as a inspiration, what do you think they would say they're most stuck in life with? Like, do you, do you find that there's a recurrence that this is where people feel like they're just stuck in life because of this thing? Is there a recurring sort of element? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure exactly what part of life you mean there, but I think that most people that come to me feel stuck in their careers, in the trajectory of where they are going, and um, and I As think that it's podcast co-hosts or no, <laughs> no. It goes beyond podcasts. It goes, it goes beyond, it goes oh. way beyond. You know, I and 
I think that interestingly enough, it seems like COVID gave us more opportunity and kind of broke people out of that stuck position. And, you know, it, it, from a, a logical perspective, it looks like that happened. Some people were able to try out working at home, you know, people moved to different locations. But in an odd way, it reduced our tolerance for risk because we see that the worst can happen at any time from any job, you know, whether you think, gee, I kind of want to be a motivational speaker or whatever that thing is. Well, like the bottom can be pulled out of that in a way that we never before imagined. Mm -hmm. So people's tolerance for risk actually really, really diminished and they became a lot more um, likely to cling to the position they were in and not want to take a jump. So I have more and more people that come to me that are, closing doors that shouldn't be closed that are holding them. Well, I can't do this because of this. And they have this whole narrative built out for all the reasons I can't make this step in this direction. And they get stuck in this loop because no matter which direction they turn, they end up right back where they are. Yeah. Um, so getting people to, to play through some of these scenarios and set up. Okay. And I know we, you know, I said, move fast as though you have no plan at all. You have to have some plan. You have some perception of, of what you're doing, at least in some large chunks, you know, step one, step two, step three, and some safety nets, you know? So uh, if you do look at, you know, exactly the clear defined goal. If you're thinking about that, if somebody said at some point they wanted to be self-employed or they want to be mm -hmm. an entrepreneur or at some point it was on their vision board they want to have their own business yes maybe they had that written down maybe they have a clear goal but to your the second point out of all the ones you're giving us would be um you know don't over plan it don't don't really think through it you can move fast well COVID, with your analogy here really set the stage for them to go ahead and do that so they were probably a lot quicker and and able to move into it, where maybe they thought i want to do this in 20 30 years in a lot of ways, some people were, it was self-imposed because they were either, you know, they, they were, um, you know, uh, lost their job or perhaps they were put on some sort of a hiatus or some just said, this is the time I'm gonna jump into the deep end. So to some degree, you're right. I think that risk level is probably a lot lower and if then, we can find a positive we could. Agreed. And I think in the mm -hmm. third thought of this is don't spend a lot of time planning, but when you do move, move fast, right? That's the, it's almost the Mel Robbins, uh, you know, your five second rule, you've got five seconds, and then you've got to do something, right? This yeah. is, this is not just procrastinate and plan, plan, plan. It's when you decide to move, move fast. Don't, don't take a tiny little step and then wait for a week to do something else. Like continue to continue to move. I think these are incredible thoughts. Uh, we are so excited that um, not only that you came back to the torture chamber known as that, <laughs> Um, but we are so excited for your new book, um, just the success that, that we've watched over the last few years with you. Um, you know, it's one thing to watch people, I think, um, sort of reach a level of success and you, you can appreciate what they do and, and, um, totally. and sort of the creativity they might have, but when they're a genuinely incredibly kind person, um, and you just are so excited that it happens to the good people every now and then that they really are, um, somebody that when you meet your heroes, sort of, they, they, they stand up, um, care. That's, that's what you are for us. And okay. we are incredibly, um, excited for, for what this next chapter looks like for you with the new book and, um, how you're helping so many people get unstuck in their lives. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. Again. Thank you both. And thanks for keeping it fun. I always have some fun, fun, different thought processes that we go through. So I enjoy it.
It's we the try. it's the only thing we can promise you, Karen. <laughs> Believe me, we get as much fun out of it as well. Where, if people want to get more information, obviously go on and grab in the book. Uh, the name of the book is Unstuck. Where can people find out more about you and your story? It, again, we hopefully set it up a really good way in the introduction, but your your story is amazing. I'm sure some people would like to think, "What? Yeah, you, th- there are some things that you can overcome." Where would you like for us to send them? My website is the easiest place to go, and it's carabrookins.com. You can get to all the socials and all the books and all the things from there. Yay. And we'll have, obviously, all of that in the uh, in the show notes. Okay. Again, fantastic to see you, and uh, we just keep an eye on your journey. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Here I come. <laughs> Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are. And grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. That's That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsatrock.com. Until next time, rock on! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.